0: Welcome to the Curious and Connected podcast, where we're trying to connect students in our ADD program and beyond to foster a sense of community. My name is Leah, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hi, And today, our guest of honor is Melissa Gates. So, Melissa, tell us about you. So, whatever you'd like to share, work, education, personal, whatever you are feeling today.
1: Um, so thank you guys both for having me. This is a lot of fun. I uh, think you you both are, are so brave to do this. Um, but let's see, um, I guess to start with, I am a, uh, a Louisiana girl. Um, for most of my life, I've lived in Louisiana, although for a short period, I lived in Texas. And um, uh, now I live in, in South Louisiana, um, very, very close to the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, so it is quite hot here. Um, and I live here with my Uh, My wonderful husband of 22 years, we got married when we were just babies Mm -hmm. Um, and we have two wonderful children. Um, My son Cooper is 14 and my daughter Ellie is 12. Um, and both of them are going on about 40 years old, so that's really fun. The teenage years are just a blast. Um, I work with teenagers, strangely enough. Um, (laughs) Surrounded. All day surrounded by teenagers. Um, I, uh, I work at Episcopal School of Acadiana, which is a very small independent school here in South Louisiana. Um, and obviously, it's Christian in nature. Um, it is uh, a little over forty years old. It is my campus. There are two campuses. The one where I work is um, is unlike any other place. This is the fifth school I've worked at in my in my twenty two years. Um, and um, there's no place like ESA that I've ever found. It's in the middle of sugarcane fields, which that in and of itself is pretty amazing. Um, but we have a really remarkable faculty. We have a 100% college acceptance and attendance rate. Um, and a, a great number of our students are, are just, you know, I mean, like our, our school is college preparatory and our students go in knowing that. Um, it's a really great place to work. And my job kind of, varies from year to year. Typically, I'm always teaching sixth grade and 12th grade. Uh, but then I'm also director of, um, of their online program whenever we have to have that, which hopefully will not happen again. Um, but then um, I also serve on several committees, um, you know, for curriculum development, both in the middle and upper school. So, and both of my kids go to the school. Um, and so that's a lot of fun. This year, I will be teaching my daughters in her class. Um, and I have already taught them once and I'm going to be teaching them again. So that's going to be really great. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh, that's so fun. Wow, <laughs> that is wonderful.
2: So, I mean, we all, we don't take favorites here, but what grade do you like teaching more?
1: <laughs> so this, nobody believes me when I say this, but I do say this with with utmost conviction and honesty that there is a very fine line between sixth grade and 12th grade um (laughs) they are both in in their own ways of course but they are both terrified um of different things they are both also very playful. Um, they, for whatever reason, both need naps. And of course I can't provide that, but like, I don't think anybody would benefit from a nap more than a sixth grader and a 12th grader. Um, and they just, they're, they're really willing to do um, you know that they, they they don't have a most of them. Um, they're really willing to go the extra mile for their teacher and to learn. And it, it's just it's I love. And this will be the first year that I'm not teaching sixth grade um, at ESA. I'm moving to eighth grade, so it's going to be interesting to see that difference.
2: Yeah, definitely. Keep us posted on that one. <laughs> 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 well, when you're not working with all these uh, sixth and eighth and twelfth graders and uh, you're not being a full-time mom and you're not doing all this classwork. What do you do to help you reset and maintain some balance?
1: Um, so it really depends kind of on the time of year. Um, in the summer, of course, you know, I'm working um, with my school and developing curriculum. Um, and that is as weird as it sounds. It's a, that's super fun for me. Uh, but outside of kind of the whole school sphere, I guess. Um, in the summertime I swim constantly. I love, love, love to swim. Um, and I'm, you know, South Louisiana, it's hot. I don't know, 10 and a half months out of the year. Um, and then, um, and the fall and the winter, I like to bake quite a lot. Um, and then year round, I'm, I'm a huge reader. Um, I mean, I kind of have to be, I'm an English teacher in addition to everything else. Um, and so, you know, like I may, I usually make a goal of about 20 books during the summer. Um, and so I think I'm on 16 right now. So that's, that's kind of, and
0: I have a month to go, so I, I'm ahead of the game. <laughs> oh my gosh. On top of all we read for our courses, 16, so you're not including, you know, any books we've no. been
1: reading. Ooh, no, these wow. are just, <laughs> these are just for pleasure books. And I don't yeah. want to suggest that all of these are, um, a lot of them I call bubblegum books because oh. I don't really have to think a lot mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. them. So I would say, you know, of those 16, I, w- I mean, they're all great. And I don't want to slight any author because it's such a feat to publish, but, um, you know, I don't think any, a lot of these authors are like, I'm going to win a Pulitzer with this thing. <laughs> um, you
0: know,
1: so I kind of feel like I, I do a give and take, like one bubble gum book. And then one book that I really, it's going to be like a little bit more of a chore to get through. Um, and whether it's emotionally taxing or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: So Melissa, if you had to describe your type of book at a gum, bubble gum flavor, would you say you like it? <laughs> spicy, like cinnamon, or would you say you're more like cold and thriller, like spearmint?
1: (laughs) Oh my God, that is the best question. I'm going to have to remember that for whenever I ask my students, because I always ask my students to name a bubblegum book. That's so great. Um, I am going to kind of go a little off and say that it's more like watermelon, that it's Mm -hmm. like, it's really sweet um, Mm -hmm. and, and like juicy, um,
0: you know, and also very refreshing,
2: Love that.
0: Love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. And I would have to agree. I think my favorite summer books for pleasure are just the, you don't have to put any mental energy into it. Yes. It's just, you know, just a page turn. Yeah. Something to, yeah. Right. Pass the time. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so switching gears a little bit, we would love to hear about a topic that has spoken to you in our course content so far. Um, so just anything, you know, All we're partway through semester three at this point. So anything that's kind of spoken to you so far. <laughs>
1: Um, so there's really, I guess, kind of two things um that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, so first of all, Eve's class, um, which is like our first foray into the whole program, 8110. Um, you know, it it's great because of the eight, the async is so, I feel like she's so um, you know, Chris Quintrank is so charismatic, but then that's balanced so beautifully with Eve. But um I don't know if you guys remember but she did this class about resilience and um and it just it really spoke to me as an educator and I mean we've all gone through this in the past three years with the pandemic but um you know she used that phrase stay loose in the saddle do you you guys if y'all remember she used that phrase and and when she said that and then um this past semester in the spring she was a guest speaker for I have a group of students called um future or it's like a future educators um, and they're at my school and she was our guest speaker. She was very kind to volunteer to do that and she had the same message to them about being resilient and that's really kind of stuck with me about the core of an educator is really especially now is really about resilience. So that's kind of my number one and the number two is in Matt's 8130 class the, I don't know why it was kind of such this aha moment, but whenever I looked at in the past, I looked at problems um, and solving these problems, it was always kind of like a, um, you know, like I'm hitting a brick wall kind of thing. And and after learning about the, the different frames, the human resource frame, the symbolic frame, all of these things, I said, oh, well, I'm approaching the problem and solving the problem from a, from the wrong frame. I'm not really identifying, um, where does this problem seek itself? Is it a human resource problem, a symbolic problem, a political problem? Um, and then once I kind of make that determination, now I've been able to really address with a lot more clarity and a lot more efficacy, a lot of the problems that our school has faced in you know, in the past few years. So those two are kind of my, my bigger, my biggies.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I, I know for um, definitely on the organizational side, that's been super useful. Have you seen any, uh, you know, usefulness in your students who are a little bit younger than we usually talk about in the K through 12 space?
1: Yes, I have. Um, so, you know, I mentioned the future educators and, and a lot of these kids, um, you know, this is just kind of sort of tangential to my own students. Um, you know, but these kids, they they're they're not as fully on board with teaching they they're like we want to teach we think but my god we see what is happening in the field of education is this what we want you know and so I'm able to kind of bring to them a lot of the things and of course a much I don't want to say watered down but definitely um, you know a modified version of the resilience talk and here's how we can solve problems um, you know and and that's been really great Um, I also was really excited because I got to teach some seniors, how to make pivot charts and pivot tables. And that was, they yes. um, blew their minds because I said, look, they're taking, they're taking an AP or they were taking an AP statistics class. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, we really need to know how to do this. And I was like, oh, you just got to make you a pivot table. Let me show you how to do that. <laughs>
0: um, I love that. So
1: connections
0: galore. Mm-hmm. Sure. I recently <laughs> submitted a, a nice report to my supervisor and I included slicers on my pivot table
2: and he was very impressed. Yeah. That's excellent. That's amazing. I, uh, I think I'd have to still, you know, you know, catch up back on how to make those. (laughs) I would need another Uh, YouTube channel. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Well, that's all amazing to hear so far. So do you mind uh, kind of sharing an accomplishment that you're super proud of either work personal or anything else?
1: Sure. Um, So, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, like I I think I mentioned earlier, this is my fifth school that I'm at. um, And um, I've, I've left for schools for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, the first school I left because my husband was accepted into med school. And so we moved to Houston for that. And then of course he graduates. And so we moved back to Louisiana when he got his first job. Um, so that kind of explains like the first three, but I think, you know, and this is something that if depending on who you speak to, like if you probably were to speak to my father, he might have a different opinion and say, this is not something to be proud of. Um, I'm just kidding. He, 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 it would be great. Um, but you know, I, I do not believe in staying in a job in which you are feeling like you're not making a difference and you're not reaching your full satisfaction um, and and sort of a feeling of accomplishment on a daily basis, as much as possible anyway. Um, and if there's ever a place where you feel like you can make more of a difference, you can have more of an input um, than, you know, you shouldn't feel beholden, if at all possible, if at all financially feasible, or, you know, um, as far as like your family, if it's feasible for them, you know, um, there have been several times, you know, I left a private school to go to a public school because I didn't really, not the current school, private school I'm at, a previous one, um, because I had some disagreements with the way things were, were being handled. Um, And then I left my previous public school to come to the school I'm at right now because I saw such a a great opportunity to make a difference with curriculum um, and bringing forth this really rigorous but still enjoyable, hopefully enjoyable, Mm -hmm. uh, curriculum for for a huge array of ages. And so I know that's a weird thing like, oh, I jumped from job to job and I'm super proud of it. Um, I know that's weird thing, perhaps, but I think it's more about, you know, like, I'm going to keep searching for this, for that feeling of fulfillment, um you know, and, and luckily, I've been at the school I'm at right now for 10 years. And so I, I obviously feel like I'm still doing what I'm supposed to be doing what I was put here to do. We'll yeah. see if that stays. <laughs> I love that.
2: Yeah, I want to put like a huge exclamation point on that last point because that's just so you know wonderful to hear i think a lot of us kind of stay in one place because we're like uh not i don't i don't know what's on the other side of this so i'm just gonna stick with the devil i know yes Um, and i i know we talk a lot in uh at least in the in the pt world we we talk about there's three big p's out there that you're always thinking about when you're taking a job which is like the place the purpose and the pay Mm -hmm. and usually you can only get two out of those three p's yes uh yeah. so what would you say back to that? Would you say that it's possible to
1: get all three? Uh well remember I'm in education, so no. <laughs> um, <laughs> um I mean I definitely There, there are definite, you know, like of course the pay of of teaching is abysmal, regardless where you are in the United States. Um, Of course, it's more abysmal in some places than it is in others. Um, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate that the school I'm at right now, um, even though it's an independent school, tries very hard to remain competitive with area public school pay for uh, their teachers. However, um, you know, there's still, of course, a lot of a long way to go there, but you know, I do think that, you know, the, the place makes a huge determination. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, and so I, I kind of agree with that, that you, if you're going to say, especially in education, you're probably only going to get two of those three.
2: Yeah. Definitely, you can get two. You're in a good place. Yes. You know, three. Call me.
1: Yes, if I ever get to that that third,
0: I'm gonna say, "Oh my God, I'm gonna call Monica right now." <laughs> it can be done. Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> unicorn has been found. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. So I know it's, I mean, none of us can predict the future or anything, but we all have goals and thoughts about what, what is going to happen with our future. So where would you see yourself in five or 10 years after completing the LLO program?
1: So this is, um, this one is kind of like a, it's such an abstract, of course it is such an abstract question. Um, and, And it's one that, and I'm sure you guys get this all the time in the program. You get asked this, but I mean, I know I get family, friends, colleagues, uh, parents of, my students, why are you doing this program? You know, Oh, you must want to be a principal. No, Um, (laughs) that is not. No, like we have a, you know, I'm really close to two state. One is LSU, which, eh. Uh, but anyway, and, and they, they have, they both have educational leadership programs. So why, you know, why, what am I planning to do with one from Vanderbilt? Well, it's kind of a loftier goal. Um, So, you know, if you ask anybody, what do you think of when you think of Louisiana, South Louisiana, in particular in the summer? It's hot and there's hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, if you guys, you know, if you watch, if you've watched the news after we've had a hurricane decimate a town um, or an entire parish, because, of course, we're weird. We don't have counties. We have parishes. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, you know, it's of course, we we always want to address issues. Um, uh, kind of triage food and 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 medical needs. Well, the kind of very close runner up to that is education needs. Um, and that's often really falling between or has fallen between the cracks where, um, you know, we have students who for literal weeks at a time have no access to education. And so when we're talking about um, a racial disparity, when we're talking about, um, you know the, the the class divide. It becomes monumentally greater in places like Louisiana, Mississippi, South Texas, where we are so affected by these hurricanes. And a lot of people think, oh, it's the infrastructure that's the most affected, and it is. But then there's so many other things that are connected to that infrastructure, and education is one. So that's a really long way of saying. And five to ten years. That's what I want to be tackling is how can I work with the, the state of Louisiana Department of Education? Um, how can I work with uh, Red Cross in order to better and, and more quickly address the education needs of those students that are affected by hurricanes?
2: Wow! Yeah, one thousand percent. So you know, Department of Education, in Louisiana, you've got Melissa Gates number <laughs> <laughs> we'll <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, we got we got good things going on here. So as a great last follow up question, uh, you know, going along those lines, what does leadership either mean to you or what does your ideal leader look like?
1: Um, so this is this is kind of a, an interesting question, and I'll tell you why I think it's interesting. <laughs> Um, last night I went to kind of a, a, ladies, you know, like wine and cheese sort of party. Um, and, and this is a group of women that I work with. They know me very, 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 very well. Um, and you know, I said something about, you know. I'm going to, you know, this is what I'm planning. Basically what I just told you guys, this is what I'm planning to do in several years. Mm-hmm. And one of them said, but what about your problem with authority, Melissa?
0: Wow. Um,
1: which is like I say, when, when they say they know me, they really, know me. Um, <laughs> and I do, I have had bosses in the past who have told me that I have pretty clear problems of authority. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's that, of course, I'm going to disagree with that to an extent, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think it's that I have, because I've worked at five different schools, I have been um, surrounded by both people who I think are um, inherently strong, amazing leaders um, and would be in any field, education or other. Um, And then I've been surrounded by some who um, are really not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and, And so I think when what is typically perceived as being a problem with authority is a problem with poor leadership mm-hmm. um, and that I tend to demand more of a leader. And so what does that look like? Well, you know, I've had the, the absolute privilege and pleasure of, of working with some incredible, um, incredible leaders. And some of the things that I think, the number one thing that I think the best leaders I've worked with have in common um, is open communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if, and, and, a like sort of a, a mutual respect that leads to open communication, um, you know, like my, my current, um, boss, who is the, the head of the, one of my bosses, I should say, who is the head of middle school. Um, she is in all senses, in all sense of the word, she is an incredible leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is forthcoming she, you know, she says things, even if, you know, she knows it's going to hurt feelings, ruffle feathers, if it's for the betterment of the school, the student body in the school
0: mm-hmm. and
1: having those difficult conversations, having open and honest communication, that to me is the core of a good leader, everything else. Like, are you organized? Good for you. You know, there's an <laughs> app for that. Um, <laughs> You know, um, all, are you are you a people person? Are you extroverted? Well, that, that doesn't necessarily, I've had bosses who were introverted and they're still wonderful bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one commonality that I think all of them, the, the really great ones that I've had and that I've seen, mm-hmm. um, they have this, I'm going to treat you with mutual respect um, until you give me a reason not to. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to lead to open communication between the two of us. And as long as that's like the foundation, that's the fundamental nature of their or kind of theory of their leadership, then it's really hard for them to go wrong. Um, in my kind of history, um, my experience, you know, my problem with authority, it's hard for them to go wrong past that if they have that as their core. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Definitely. So, what I'm hearing is transparency for the good of the organization, respect. Mm-hmm. I
1: love it. Yeah.
0: And I think too, like responsible, when you step into a leadership position, you become responsible for mm-hmm. people you're leading for schools. Yeah. It sounds like there's kind of that woven into kind of that yeah. expectation too, that, you know, you're in charge, you have this title or you just position right. of leadership. So, um, yeah.
1: And, work. and I mean, you know, I've, I've worked with, you know, you talk about the two out of three, I've worked with leaders who, uh, they were really good communicators, but they weren't, um there wasn't really kind of like a, a mutual respect. It was like a talk down to, um, and, and of course I don't ever respond well to that, Um, you know, and, 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 you know, or they will, um, you know, they'll, they'll kind of hem haul around a situation rather than just get to the point and let's address Mm -hmm. it as adults and move forward. Mm -hmm. So um, it's kind of like that trifecta, you know, how you have to have, the open communication, the mutual respect. Um, and then sort of the, the, like you said, Leah, there's a sense of responsibility. Yeah, for sure.
0: Love that! What a great way to wrap up. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for joining us, Melissa. And to anyone listening, we hope you'll join us for our next episode of Curious and Connected.